The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Roots of Reconstruction by Rusas John Rushduni Narrated by Shelby Luke Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Rusus John Rushdooney. My prayer is that you will be strengthened by these readings. The insight in which Mr. Rushdooney had is significant, not only then, but in today's day as well. But in no way should it replace your own studies in the Scriptures. And I do pray that you will take what you learn and apply it to every area of your life and thought. Our World Today, Chalcedon Position Paper, number 79. Recently, I was in an eastern state as an expert witness in a freedom of speech and freedom of religion trial. Two street preachers were on trial and had been arrested and imprisoned earlier. The judge in this case, unlike so many, was courteous and conducted the trial with dignity. However, he readily admitted hearsay evidence against the two preachers. The city brought to the trial a zeal which would have been more appropriate for a case involving rape or murder. I left at the end of the first day, having given my testimony, but the memory of the case remains, together with a sharp awareness of this country's degeneracy. Pastors and Christian school leaders and children are regularly on trial. Widows and orphans, whom the Lord regards as the test, of a people's faith are systematically robbed by inheritance taxes and most people in and out of the church do not care and are indifferent to the evils of our times. The other morning I was awakened by a very vivid and horrifying dream. In my dream, I was back at the courtroom where in fact no local pastor came to give open support, being fearful of the hostility or disfavor of the city fathers. In my dream, three mildly friendly men, unrelated to the trial, offered to drive me to the airport. There was an oppressive darkness in the air and in the minds of men. All had left faith and morality behind, and the word was Christless. We stopped at an intersection, 
A nearly naked black girl of about 12 years ran crying to the automobile asking help. I demanded that she be taken in. Just then a van going in the opposite direction pulled alongside of us. The two men in the cab, one black, one white, demanded the girl's return. They mistook my refusal's reason and offered to sell her, adding that they could supply any age or color, any sex, for any purpose. I demanded that the driver gun the motor and leave, and we escaped the slave wagon. I asked the frightened girl her name, and she had none. Only girl. The three men told me the girl was my, quote, problem, unquote. They wanted no part of, quote, stolen property, unquote. I realized I was in a slave world without Christ in Scripture, the law word of God. Then I woke up with the recognition that the world I live in and the world of my dream are not very far apart. The next day, the Wall Street Journal, Thursday, August 7, 1986, page 24, gave confirmation to my dream in an article by Bruce S. Ledwitz. Quote, The questions Rehnquist hasn't had to answer. Unquote. The author called attention to the ironic fact that prominent conservatives and clergymen had strongly supported Justice William Rehnquist for Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Rehnquist follows strictly in the legal footsteps of Holmes. He denies the relevancy to law of personal moral judgments because they are, quote, subjective, unquote, and supposedly cannot be proved. Legal positivism governs our courts increasingly and is separating religion and morality from law. The same legal cynicism that led to Marxism and to National Socialism is now increasingly commonplace in American law. My dream was very logical. A world not under God's law is soon a world in which only tyranny prevails. Moral order is replaced by statist order, and man ceases to be a person before the law. We should remember that John Dewey, the father of modern statist education, was skeptical about personal consciousness and conscience. For him, the reality was the status community. Bruce S. Ledwitz called attention to the churchmen and conservatives who supported Rehnquist's nomination as Chief Justice by President Ronald Reagan. These men won the battle, but they continued to lose the war because the basic issue is obscured. What we face is more than a political battle and more than an intellectual struggle. It is a conflict of faiths, and by supporting men like Rehnquist, we are aiding and abetting our own destruction. The conservatives have won many victories in recent years which have only advanced the cause of their opponents. A key problem of our time is the failure of men to see what is at stake. A spiritual blindness marks our age. In 1924, Eileen Power wrote an interesting study entitled Medieval People. In 1938, she wrote an essay, later included in the 1963 10th edition printing, entitled, quote, The Precursors, unquote, which begins with a survey of, quote, Rome in decline, unquote. Towards the end of her essay, she commented, quote, The fact is that the Romans were blinded to what was happening to them by the very perfection of the material culture which they had created. All around them was solidity and comfort, a material existence which was very antithesis of barbarism, unquote. 
They might have problems, but for the Romans, it was unthinkable that barbarism could replace civilization. As Eileen Power grimly noted, quote, their roads grew better as their statesmanship grew worse, and central heating triumphed as civilization fell, unquote. Central to Roman rare responsibility and blindness, according to Professor Power, was their educational system. It was irrelevant to their problems. She noted, quote, and it would be difficult to imagine an education more entirely out of touch with contemporary life, unquote. The Romans were guilty of, quote, the fatal illusion that tomorrow would be as yesterday, unquote. Rome was full of cultured rinquists who were busily making Rome and its ways irrelevant to reality. Its liberals were building up status power and destroying society. Its conservatives had impotent criticism of which Petronius Arbiter gives us an example in the complaint, quote, and it is my conviction that the schools are responsible for the gross foolishness of our young men because in them they see or hear nothing at all of the affairs of everyday life. Unquote. True enough, but neither Petronius Arbiter nor any of his fellow satirists could offer Rome the faith and morality needed to revitalize their world. The Romans were practical men of the variety Disraeli. Described in the 19th century when he observed, quote, practical men are men who practice the blunders of their predecessors, unquote. Professor Ledswitz said of Rehnquist, quote, in a 1976 article, Justice Rehnquist formally set forth the ideas he has implicitly championed throughout his judicial career. In the article, he formally endorsed Justice Holmes' call for skepticism about moral values, unquote. From coast to coast, our press snarls with rage at those who try to apply religious and moral standards to man and society. The, quote, good, unquote, is increasingly defined by what the state does because no God and law above the state is recognized and the state is viewed as a God walking on earth. Bill Donahue used a Soviet propagandist on his television show and the man, Vladimir Posner, saw the U.S. as, quote, bad, unquote, because it has unemployment, poverty, and homeless peoples, whereas the USSR, he said, had none. Bayard Rustin, in criticizing Donahue and Posner, called attention to the fact that his black grandparents were slaves and had full employment, food, and housing, and it was not a good order for them. Remove God and his law from society, and you have the moral confusion demonstrated by Posner and his friends. Roman civilization, said Eileen Power, lost the power to reproduce itself. She gave no clear answer to this problem, but as Christians, we can supply one. If you believe nothing, what can you transmit to your children? If you have no faith, can you give your heirs anything but cynicism as a way of life? If good and evil are myths, then how can we call life itself good? The increasing incidence of suicide among state school children is the logical conclusion of an educational system stripped of Christianity. Modern man has no solid grounds for condemning slavery, tyranny, child abuse, sexual abuse, or anything else. Fifteen years ago, some of the avant-garde leaders of the new amorality were insisting that all things between 
consenting adults should be legal. Now, the limitation of consent is disappearing as some groups agitate for the freedom to molest children. As Dostoy Vesky observed more than a century ago, if there is no God, then all things are possible. But there is a God, the Lord God of Scripture, and He lives, and He is a consuming fire to His enemies. Hebrews twelve twenty nine. All things are not possible because God reigns. There is therefore causality and judgment in history, and God's law governs all things. Can men make this the kind of world I dreamed about? Yes, and they are doing so. But as the Sabbath song, Psalm 92, declares in verses 7 and 8, quote, When the wicked spring as the grass, and when all the workers of iniquity do flourish, it is that they shall be destroyed forever. But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. Unquote. Men's towers of Babel are always confounded and destroyed. The judges and rulers of this world will in time take notice because none can escape the righteous judge of all creation. October 1986. The Recovery of Memory, Chalcedon Position Paper, number 80. Memory is basic to the life of man. The loss of memory is basic to senality and is a sad fact whenever it occurs. Some years ago, I knew briefly in his old age a gracious gentleman whose family history went back to the colonial era. An important founding father was among his forebears. Although otherwise in good health, this man lost his memory. It was a while before people became aware of it. A cultured, wildly traveled man, he could provide interesting conversation on many subjects, even when he was not sure of his name. He picked up readily on the subjects being discussed. He spoke several languages, including Mandarin Chinese, and on one occasion, while on a walk, asked a Chinese couple whom he met for directions in Mandarin to his one-time residence in Peeping. Once he was so well-schooled in good manners, courtesy, and intelligent small talk, it took time even for his wife to realize that he did not know her name or his the loss of memory strips us of much of our life and abilities. Most people think very little of the importance of memory, either personal or cultural. Existentialism has left us indifferent to the importance of the past to life and knowledge. Our present-oriented culture is sometimes even contemptuous of personal memory and history. But history is simply a religious memory of the past. In our history, we remember the faith, men, and events which we recognize as basic to our lives. When men despise history, they are on the road to barbarism, because to despise history is to reject biblical faith and to reject meaning and purpose in life in favor of gratification in the moment. People who have no past have no future. They represent cultural sinality. Few have appreciated more the role of memory than the Marxist and the liberals who are neo-Marxist. For the systematic thinkers in this tradition, it is memory that makes us human. Without agreeing with that opinion, we can recognize the deadly effects of a loss of personal memory or of a distorted social memory or history. In the 19th century, as a result of Enlightenment thinking and groundbreaking, historians began the systematic rewriting of all history. 
The Marxists later were especially zealous in this task. To create the new man in the Marxist model, the memory of socialist man had to be remade by rewriting all of history. In this task, the Marxists were not alone. In every country, humanistic historians began to create a new past for man and a new past for their country. In the 1930s, many attacked Germany's Nazi education as a school for barbarians. They should have added that all humanistic educational philosophies and schools have become schools for barbarians. Their role model is, quote, the naked ape, unquote, not God's incarnate son, Jesus Christ. Barbarism is thus the logical product of modern education. It is the necessary and logical consequence of humanistic schools. This barbarism will only increase until all the world is enveloped in its savagery, or until Christians see to the conversion of men, send them forth to exercise dominion, and work earnestly for the reconstruction of all things in terms of God's law word. The greatness of the task is seldom appreciated. More people are alive today than have ever died in all of history. Most people now alive have been born since 1940. They have little or no knowledge of the world prior to that time. The social sciences have replaced and rewritten history so that our cultural memory has been warped and reshaped. Things were bad enough before 1940, but there was a better awareness of the past and a respect for the meaning of the ritual of a Christian civilization. The word barbarian has an interesting history. It comes to us through the Latin from the Greek barbaros, meaning originally rude and brutal, and barbarismos, a slave. The word in time came to mean, even in Greek, simply an alien, but its original implication of brutality and savagery has since returned. As the Greeks first used it, the word referred to anyone lacking the knowledge and culture of Greece. As it is now used, it means anyone outside of culture and civilization or destructive of it. In this sense, we can say that not only are state schools and humanistic universities are schools for barbarians, but that our humanistic press and other media train for barbarism. Too often also the churches follow in their wake. From time to time I hear of devout and godly pastors who in addition to all the regular services and study groups of their congregation attempt to start a class in church history and doctrine. The response is often either indifference or hostility. This is barbarism. Meanwhile, Christendom is suffering from a loss of memory, and the nations have an altered memory of their past. In the 1960s, I met an American veteran's bride, a young woman whom the veteran had met soon after the end of World War II in the Netherlands. Living in a bombed-out city throughout the years, she knew nothing of her country's history. Since I had, as a very young man, read Motley's marvelous histories of that country, I was interested in discussing them with her. I found that she knew nothing of her motherland's history. Because of the war, during the key years of her life, she had been without schooling. The bombed-out schools and the life of deprivation had meant no schooling, and hence no past as a Hollander. She knew about as much of her country's history as she did of Libya's, and she frankly confessed her ignorance. 
The loss of historical memory in her case was war-created. Wars have brought much dislocation and major separations from the past. One man from Central Europe told me that he had lived without changing his location under six flags. With each change of rule came a new version of the past. In the United States, we must say that we have done it to ourselves. To submit to what normally is imposed by foreign conquerors and to view it as progress is the startling fact about American statist education. Earlier, I cited the Marxist premise that it is memory that makes us human, and the necessary step towards remaking man and society is to reshape man's memory. Joseph Stalin was fully aware of the implications of this, and so too was George Orwell, who presented it as basic to the world of 1984 and its totalitarianism. History is social memory, and for this reason, humanists of all varieties began early to replace history in schools with, quote, social science, unquote, which is, first, the reduction of history to a naturalistic science, one purged of God and his purpose. Second, since history is man making himself, science is basic to this task. Man must make society into a social experiment towards attaining humanistic goals. C.R.J. Rushduni, The Philosophy of Christian Curriculum, Malacito, California, Ross House Books, 1981 and 1986. For us as Christians, history cannot be a social science because it is a theological science. It is God, not man, who is the creator and determiner of all things. We must approach all things in terms of the triune God and his word. As David tells us, quote, For with thee is the fountain of life, in thy light shall we see light. Unquote. Psalms 36, 9. The French philosophers wrote about, quote, the omnipotence of criticism, unquote, exalting themselves and their critical reasoning. For us, the determining fact is the omnipotence of the Lord God of hosts. Therefore, hear ye him. Western civilization, Christendom as it once was, now suffers from amnesia, a loss of memory, from senality, which is the harbinger of decline and death. This loss of memory is far gone, and the pundits of humanism feel free, therefore, to make increasingly outrageous statements about the past and history. Both within the church and without, George Orwell's newspeak and doublethink confront us on all sides. A loss of memory means a loss of direction, and most peoples have lost their sense of direction. A recovery of memory begins with conversion, with Jesus Christ and the Bible. Then we understand man's past and present, his fall, his depravity, and his regeneration in Jesus Christ. Then we know both the beginning and the end of man, and all of man's histories are then seen in perspective and true focus. The purpose of stripping men of their past is to reshape them into whatever form their elite rulers choose. The result, however, is not a new man, but a lost and dying man. Not the new Soviet man or the member of the great community of John Dewey and others, but a barbarian, a slave. Only Jesus Christ, our great Adam, and our Redeemer can restore man to his rightful place and right hand. Quote, if the Son therefore shall make you free, 
ye shall be free indeed. Unquote. John 8, 36, November 1986. The family is treasure. Matthew 6, 21 declares, quote, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Unquote. This reverses our natural expectation. In fact, many people wrongly quote this verse as, Where your heart is, there will be your treasure also. This renders it, if true, impossible to know what a man treasures, whereas our Lord makes clear that we know a man's heart by his works. Quote, By their fruits ye shall know them. Unquote. Matthew 7.20 In terms of this, we know what men are who, despising the centrality of the family in Scripture and prizing extra money or material advantages, insist that their wives work rather than continuing their proper duty as mother and housewife. In all too many cases where there is no urgent need, men insist that their wives give priority to working for money, to working for the family as the mother and wife. Such a perspective means placing present advantages above the enduring welfare of the family. It means that a man's treasure is in material things, not his family in Christ. November 1986 Thank you for joining me this week in the reading of Roots of Reconstruction by Bruce's John Rushman. Lord willing, we will be reading again next week. Until then, may God bless your endeavors as you serve the one and only King Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, the love he had shown us by his paying the very price. It was there at Calvary's tree, where he died for you and me. Christ.
Christ has set you free, set you free.